Hey there, are you sick and tired of feeling sick and tired? Join Adol Kozilski and Fagy Stern as they explore ways to reverse chronic illness and achieve vibrant health. Your health is your only wealth and together we can be better. Hashtag healthy you, wealthy you. Good morning, everybody out there, all those that are joining us on the Health Healthy Show. My name is Bill Kozulski, and I'm joined in the studio, as always, with my co-host, Good morning. Good morning, Adol. How are you? How, how, how are you today? Very well, thank you. Getting started on a nice Wednesday morning, the 1st of July. Exactly. Can you actually believe that it's halfway through the year? It's absolutely ridiculous. We're almost, almost at the cusp. Six months in. Yeah, yeah, indeed. In quite a different year this year. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I heard heard a quip from somebody that said, um, what was the worst purchase you made in 2019? And the answer is a diary for 2020. Um, I guess that sums it up. I've had to take that down my schedule off, off my fridge. That I was so organized beginning of the year, had a schedule, everything sorted. I knew where I was going, what I was doing. The other day I still thought to myself, do I actually need this to go off? <laughs> well done, well done. Okay, today we're in for quite an exciting show. We have a special guest um, on our show today. Uh, last week I had one of my favorite ladies, and this comes... Exactly. I think on a par to, to, to Leora Leslie that we had last week. This is my other favorite lady and it's actually between Leora, Leora and our guest today, Shirley Holmes, that I, I, I use as an adjunct to keeping my health. Um, Shirley is a physiotherapist that graduated with honors, um, at Wits in 1987. And she de- developed a special interest in uh, treating people suffering from TMJ and different uh, jaw pain disorders. And uh, she's yeah. actually really, really excellent. That's how I got to her, not because I had TMJ, but um, some members of my family were being treated for TMJ. And this was part of the treatment. Um, Shirley emigrated to Australia in 2000, where she established a pain clinic with other practitioners in Melbourne, Victoria, but she loved South Africa too much, I assume, and came back. And today she runs a practice that focuses on the treatment of chronic pain and TMJ disorders. Good morning, Shirley. Good morning. How are you? I am well. I mean, I've got a little bit of backache. I might come and visit you, but otherwise I am <laughs> fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. That's um, a very important morning, Shirley. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on the show. And I'm really super excited for you to be on. And thank you for allowing me to twist your arm because I know you like uh, staying under the radar. But I think that what's important and, and, and a conversation to be had is that when people are looking at pain, there are obviously many, many aspects. And I think that um, for those that are, are, are listeners to our show understand and we speak about it all the time. That a human being isn't a just, you know, we're just made up of different parts and we, when, when something's going wrong, we treat that part. But more and more medicine and, and practitioners are looking at people as a whole. And that when we are dealing with pain, it's telling us that our body, um, has some type of dis-ease to it, which could be physical, it could be emotional, it could be mental. But they're actually in truth all very, very much connected. And, um, actually look at those things and um, we need to treat ourselves in a more more holistic way. Now I know Shirley 
um, you, what what you have done, albeit that you are a physio, you have um, expanded your your uh, your your qualification, so to speak, to practice what you call advanced integrated manual therapy. Can you give us a little bit of an understanding what that means and and where you're coming from? Thank you very much, Adele. Um, I think your words are a little bit. Uh, you've put me too much on a pedestal and a bit of pressure, but never mind. Advanced Integrated Manual Therapy is a, an, something that was developed by a physiotherapist in California, and it was based on several, um, basically picking the brains of several professions, because what actually happens is that I qualified as a physio, and physiotherapy has a background in manual work in terms of soft tissue-based, and then goes more into obviously looking at joints. And I found that that after a certain time, um you're able to treat, I'd say, about 75% of patients using various techniques, which I'll explain in a minute. And then you get to a certain stage where a person has chronic pain and it almost feels like everything you do from a manual perspective no longer seems to work as well as it could Mm -hmm. um, because there are emotional aspects to it. And touching on what you had to say now is I realized that in order to get to where I needed to go, I needed to be more holistic or systemic in your approach to physiotherapy. So going back to advanced integrated manual therapy, it takes basic physio, chiro, osteo, and it integrates it with visceral manipulation. It integrates it with a little bit of craniosacral, as well as muscle energy and counter strain, which is a whole lot of, um, schools of thought that people can specialize in, but we basically mishmash according to what we see in the body in front of us. So if I go backwards now and we say, let's look at plain muscle spasm, for example, 25% of people that walk into the room have a complaint that they have, for example, a sore calf. The calf is in, this is in spasm or tight. And that spasm implies that if we look at it microscopically in a muscle, that the muscle filaments slide over each other. You've got these thick filaments and thin filaments that slide over each other with a little bridge. <clears throat> and what would happen is that because now there's decreased blood supply or a buildup of lactic acid, the person feels that the muscle is tight and won't move. So one of the first things we do as good physios is we tell the patient, just go and stretch. And 25% of the time it works brilliantly. And then that stretching or changing position um, feeds over into into things like um, yoga and Pilates and that sort of thing where we're trying to take the muscle to the end of range. And by doing that, we now facilitate improved blood supply. We change the biochemistry and the muscle feels better and we look very clever. Then the next stage of that is the person will actually say, you know, I tried that stretching, but there's an area there just won't give. And when you palpate or feel the muscle, you actually feel like a knot there. And um, a simplification of that knot is if you once again go back to biology and you go and look into the muscle structure, you'll see there's a thing called a muscle spindle, which is like a coiled spring, which sits in the center, if you like, of the muscle just for want of explanation. And it's got two little ends that go to the joints. And from those joints, they feed up to the brain. And a simplification of that whole complex is that if I close my eyes and I put my arm out to the side and I twiddle my fingers, that mechanoreceptor or that spindle and those kind of structures feed back to the brain and tell you where you are in space, how tight the muscle is, etc., etc. So it's like this feedback mechanism. 
Now, what we do when we have that kind of scenario, you can actually push that area where you actually feel it as a knot or a trigger point. And when you trigger or hit that hard enough, the patient will experience pain in other areas of the of the body. In other words, um, because everybody comes from a, a, a simple clump of cells and then those cells then divide into various spaces, so you call it your embryological origin. So from wherever those clump of cells originated and you travel it along, so example, if you push something in your neck, you might feel something down your hand. Or if you push something in, in, in your calf, you might feel something higher up or even jump onto another embryological pathway, depending on, 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 um, where it comes from. So ostensibly, I don't know if I've lost you now, but if you, if you, if you push those trigger points, you can get referral of pain elsewhere. So no, how sorry. do we then break that down? Sorry, Shirley, give me one second. Let me just, um, just so summarize. So basically you can either just have you know, sore muscles and physios can help it. Then we go to the next level where we are having trigger points now where the muscles, so to speak, very simplistically are in a knot. And yes. now we need to deal with it more. I would like to continue the conversation. We are going to be going for a little bit of a break. If anybody would like to ask any questions on this topic, which we are going to go more in depth with because it actually is pretty fascinating and it's incredible to understand how your body works, Please SMS us on 34519 or you can ask a question through info at highfm.com. We'll be back very shortly. Catch the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kozilski and Fagy Stern every Wednesdays at 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. only on 101.9 High FM. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kozilski and Fagy Stern. Welcome back, and this is Adel Kozilski together with Fagy Stern, and we're speaking to Shirley Holmes about how it is that we actually get ourselves into a knot and how we can try and deal with the pain in a, in, 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 in a, in a more natural, holistic way. And just before we went to the break, Shirley, you were explaining to us about um, the fact that we either have muscle spasm that goes into triggers, what happens when I can't get rid of my trigger points, and what's the next level of pain that my body will feel? Okay, I think I'm being a little bit long-winded here, and, the, and, and so I'll try and be a little bit briefer. Basically, a trigger point you can uh, often get rid of by traumatizing, in other words, forcing blood supply there, and you traumatize it by rubbing it, massaging it, putting in dry needles, using lasers, use anything that forces blood into the area and deactivates the muscle spindle. Another way that one can deactivate the muscle spindle is to is because the muscle spindle or the joint has been, the, the muscle has been in a spasm, it puts it misaligns. I suppose you can say the chiropractors would say it subluxes. It doesn't dislocate. A lot of the medical professionals shoot me in the head if I use that terminology. But it basically shifts the joint where it's tighter on one side than it shouldn't, than it, than it should be. And by basically pushing that brick back into the wall, whether you mobilize it or manipulate it or whatever technique that you use, you basically realign the joint in its neutral position. And that will also often deactivate the muscle spindle. But what they found with the research of other people, the next stage to do that is to realize that these little muscle spindles not only exist in skeletal muscle, but they also exist in what we call smooth muscle. Now, smooth muscle is the stuff in blood vessels, and what that does is regulates blood supply to the organ systems. And there was an osteopath who realized that if he 
Uh, he could deactivate the muscle spindle just by relaxing the muscle and holding it in that position for a certain time. It deactivated from the brain and the muscle relaxed that way. And this particular lady I was telling about, the physiotherapist in California, realized this happened with blood vessels and organ systems. So that mm-hmm. opened up a whole new spectrum of treating um, chronic pain because Once you have organs and blood vessels or the automatic or autonomic nervous system involved in the whole pain mechanism, all the other mechanisms, other words, skeletal muscle um, and the the muscle spindles, the position of the joints being pulled one way and straightforward muscle spasm were slaves to that. So the example would be, for example, uh, the one that I love using is, say, for example, if you have a kidney stone and the patient will come and he's got severe muscle spasm in his back, and if you go and look back to the embryology of it, in other words, the brain, spinal cord, the nerve comes out and it divides into a front branch and a back branch. The back branch goes to the back muscles. The front branch goes to the front muscles with a twig to those kidneys. So if the kidney's in trouble, all those muscles on that same pathway will contract to protect that kidney. And because as far as the body's concerned in the hierarchy, kidneys and organs and blast vessels are higher than nerve muscle bone, Nerve muscle bone will remain in spasm even if we try and use standard physiotherapy techniques to stretch it, traumatize it, manipulate it, do whatever we can. Unless we treat those internal structures, the rest of it cannot relax. And that's how chronic pain can start persisting and then, of course, gets to another stage where it starts becoming developed in the brain where the representation of that brain is much – representation of the pain is much greater in the brain – and then you have to start trying to untwist and unravel that whole thing from a psychological point of view. So it's quite fascinating how it develops. So then if someone has like lower back pain, could it be that there's a liver issue? Or how exactly do you connect those those two issues? Well, as I said to you, many times there's embryological origin of everything. So um, just the same way if your liver is involved, the pain referral is usually to the right shoulder. If you're... Hmm. Um, if you're, you're, if you're in, 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 as I said, the kidney will go to an area of the back. If you're, if you're in, um, labor, your uterus will go to an area of the back. Um, sometimes kidneys can even refer to the knee. So the person can come in and they say, I've got this tremendous knee pain and they physically can feel pain in the knee. You release the adrenals and the kidneys and the knee pain so-called evaporates or disappears. So it's not to say that everything that walks in that is, is going to be a kidney problem. But the, my feeling is that the type of pain people I see, I'm often quite fortunate because they've been to see the physio and the chiro or whatever, and they say they're not being helped, or they say that physio is useless. That is so not true, or chiro is not useless, or osteo is not useless. It just means that their level of pain is at a stage where they're not able to help them because they've moved to the autonomic level. And until that autonomic or those blood vessels and organs are now treated from that perspective, the muscles and the and the and the you know the subsequent joints will still go out of alignment. Absolutely fascinating, and 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 for all of the everybody that's listening out there, you know, um, I, I I am a recipient of this type of therapy, and honestly, there have been many many times where exactly this, like, will come in and say, 
you know, this is sore and uh, Shirley will go elsewhere um, for a long, long time until very recently. It was only now that I started asking you why you're doing what you're doing. I just trusted you in it. But it makes a lot of sense that, you know, that we are interconnected and interlinked in the various parts of our bodies. And many, many times when we are sitting with pain somewhere, that that pain is originating somewhere else. One of the things, Shirley, that you are always doing on me is you are manipulating my diaphragm, and apparently I have more than one diaphragm. <laughs> you want to share with the listeners out there what 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 that is all about? Well, it's absolutely fascinating because uh, I told you the physio that that, that was my mentor, um, this lady in California, Sharon Vicefish Giometto. I never know how to spell her surname correctly, so. Forgive me if I can't say cappuccino properly, but um, <laughs> she initially first proposed that there were four diaphragms in the body. Now, all a diaphragm is is basically um, is a thing that allows a, a, is, is the body's compartmentalized. So you want to separate heart and lungs from your ab- abdomen, and your abdomen and urogenital structures have to be held in the body, you know, because obviously they fall out. So your diaphragm is obviously the pelvic diaphragm holds the pelvic and tummy contents. Your other diaphragm separates heart and lung. But you have a further diaphragm, which is called the thoracic outlet or the thoracic diaphragm, which a lot of your nerves and structures can communicate with each other. They pierce it or pass through it. And then in your brain, you have what they call tentorium cerebelli, which is like a, a you know, the, the covering of a fillet, that sort of facial type of thing. Your thoracic outlet and in your brain, you've got a similar thing. And just recently, there's an osteopath which has proposed a fifth diaphragm, which is at the base of the tongue, the attachment of the hyoid bone and, and, and regulates those structures and the vessels passing through what's called the triangle of the neck. So the fascinating thing about a diaphragm is if there's a restriction or a dysfunction in the diaphragm, um, what happens is not only does it affect the breathing, but because breathing uh, involves um, is not just the diaphragm pulling up and down, breathing involves moving of cerebrospinal fluid all the way around from the head right the way down into the tailbone. So if you can imagine your coverings of the brain are not just in the brain, but it goes all the way down just like a stocking. So if you can imagine your tailbone being like your toe of your stocking and you then take those membrane coverings and you tighten at the top of your head and you put fluid in there so it nourishes the nervous system, you know if I pull the toe on one side, I'm going to get an effect on the other side. And those diaphragms intervene or interdigitate in that structure. So they're almost like pierce that structure for want of a better word. Now, muscles and nerves and structures have to pass through each diaphragm. And at each diaphragm level, you have a relay station or a control mechanism that can influence blood flow either to the organ systems or into the the muscular systems. So if you get tightness in a diaphragm, you can affect not only your breathing, but you can affect what's happening in your heart. You can affect outflow to the, the vessels in the legs. You can cause all sorts of weird changes in other areas purely because the muscle spasm, the, the diaphragm has spasmed. And these people that I was talking about, the, the osteopath and the physiotherapist, were saying that, for example, if you do a lot of TMJ clenching at night and you restrict the hyoid bone, you then cause, in addition to that, you'll cause um, spasm of the, the tentorium or pulling in the tentorium cerebelli. And because a lot of the major cranial nerves pass through that, you can get irritation and restriction and subsequent dysfunction, which results in disease down the, lo- down the road. So it's quite fascinating to see how, you know, these things, one thing sets another thing off. And they say dysfunction of a diaphragm at one level will cause dis- a domino effect with the others. So they're all meant to work in unison. 
to nourish your whole nervous system. It's, it's so when, when, some, when, when somebody comes into you and so they, they, they describe a specific pain, do you have a, like a set protocol? Like how do you know where to start? Like is it the diaphragm that's in spasm? Is it, you know, they're saying it's the knee. Do you go straight away to the kidney? How do you start working out where to start unraveling the person, you know, so that you, you can give relief? I think the most important thing is to spend a lot of time in history taking. So I like to think of, of, of um, the medical profession as a whole lot of practitioners sitting around a donkey with blindfolds. And yeah. the neurologist has got the, the head and I've got the foot and the, the chiropractor's got a tail and the neurologist has got this. And we're all talking donkey, but we don't always communicate. So I think with me as a physio, as a trained, I tend to be a little bit mechanical in my approach because that's the way I was trained. But I try to drone out and I try and say, right, let's have a look at the system and say to the person, what's happening with your heart? What's happening with your kidneys? What's happening with your gut? You know, do you have nausea? Do you have all these other symptoms? So try and go through the system, you know, look at the whole system and try and get some sort of idea. How well are they sleeping? Um, all those kind of things are very, very important because that will give you an idea is is one of the things I make a decision, if you like, on where to start is does it appear that the autonomic nervous system, now the automatic or the autonomic nervous system, I'm digressing, is divided into two sections, sympathetic and parasympathetic. Sympathetic is fight, flight, and fright. Parasympathetic yes. is digestion, hormonal healing, and immunity. If we find that the sympathetic system is too high, in other words, a person is not sleeping, um, they tend to have muscle spasm, their organ systems are not functioning well, it tells you the sympathetic system is too high and the parasympathetic system is being turned off. They're getting problems with heart palpitations, their gut is not good, they have reflux, they have uh, tummy pain, they have constipation, they have all these weird symptoms. Then you know that the autonomic system is too high Okay, and one would need to try and use techniques to by using. Remember, I told you that that in the in the this that you can influence smooth muscle, which is the stuff that controls the blood vessels, which in turn are related to the autonomic nervous system. So, if I can control the pipeline, in other words, the the blood feed away from the sympathetic side, in other words, the stuff that's predominantly going to the muscles, and I yeah. channel it back yeah. into the organ side. I should stimulate the parasympathetic or healing side and then reduce indirectly the sympathetic side, if that makes sense. So trying to get some sort of balance happening. So I haven't answered your question, but basically from the history, if I find that the person has a multitude of sort of organ systems that seem to be coming in, then I'd rather start from that perspective, from treating inside out, than using a pure musculoskeletal side. And that's not to say that there's anything wrong from a musculoskeletal side. We have fantastic osteos who on a daily basis treat seven and there's still a tremendous amount of value. But if this autonomic nervous system side is not handled, because it's higher on the hierarchy, the other stuff will look as though we're not helping the patient. Right. Sure. Yes, you know what? The, the more the more you the more I listen to you, and the, the more you're putting it together, it's actually just showing how how absolutely incredible the body is, and how integrated the body is. It's not something that we we, we should look at as you know as just that part or that thing that is causing it, but looking at overall. And I mean, obviously, 
with what you're saying and with what Faggy and I are trying to promote out there is that when you're looking at your health, you have to look at it on all levels. And certainly, um, you know, in, into everything that you're, you're treating is the way that we eat and the way that we sleep and the way that we exercise and, and everything else because that then feeds the sympathetic and parasympathetic and one needs to look at oneself holistically. Um, yeah, and look, my passion is that is that um, I've hit my head a lot of times as a clinician, and the reason I've hit my head, I say hit my head, is that once again I'm I'm a pure mechanic in in many respects. I'm I'm a mechanic, so I'm stuck in that mechanic slice. If I've yes. got a patient who's, who has um, a very high sympathetic reaction, so say for example, somebody fell like myself off a cliff, okay. I fall off a cliff, I break my neck, I damage my liver, all right? Now I come back, I am now in a, stress, a stressful situation. I wonder why I feel dizzy. I have a little bit of a headache and my liver is painful. And it's almost like the autonomic nervous system is now reproducing that subliminal or subconscious reaction to stress, which was associated with organ damage or, or structural damage. And that's why chronic pain can sometimes persist because the autonomic nervous system says stress equals this issue. So you yeah. say, why is my liver keep being stupid? And actually it's not truly that the liver is in dysfunction. It is that, I know it sounds crazy, but the, 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 the sympathetic and the, and the subconscious memory are all linked and it reproduces a physiological complaint that might not necessarily have been generated from a true mechanical cause. Can you can you treat yourself, Shirley? Like I know that you've fallen off the clip and <laughs> you've really hurt yourself. And can can one learn to treat oneself? Like obviously you're 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 what's the name? You're you're, um, you're trained in it. Are you able to do treatments on yourself? And is there anything that an individual can do for themselves or they have to seek out somebody like yourself? I think once you know um, certain of the techniques you can, I think I get frustrated because there's certain things I'd like to do to myself that I can't. So mm. the answer to that is in some respect I can and I have been successful. But many times, for example, I'll go to my friend up the road who is a physio and another friend of mine who is a chiro who will help me from a mechanical standpoint. And then I try and do my own thing on my own self up to a certain point. So the answer to that is partially. Um, the answer is partially. But I'm also passionate about diet and I'm passionate about um, the effects of sleep and hormones and that sort of thing. And as you say, exercise, because I get patients who come to me and say exercise is bad. And, and my, my immediate answer to that is to say, well, what are you doing and why? And fundamentally, if you have, for example, a damaged disc and you have a muscle imbalance because the dam, the disc is now damaged because a disc is literally just like a donut with a soccer ball of jelly and you maybe traumatize one side and it now tips to the one side and it always then, instead of it opening the, the you know, the body being balanced going left or right, one side becomes tighter, one side becomes restricted. And so when you bend forward to touch something or to touch your toes and they say, well, please don't bend, you're actually designed to bend forward and touch toes, but not if the disc is damaging pulling right when you're trying to go straight. It's like driving a car down the road and the wheel alignment's out and you're wondering why the car's pulling mm. and why the brakes now start getting damaged and why the tires start wearing. So the answer to say that, that exercise is bad is what exercise are you doing and why? And why is that exercise bad for your body? So that's why you need to sort of say, okay, um, 
is is it a fundamental issue? Do you have to correct that person's specific muscle imbalance in order for them to be able to now complete what is called a normal exercise, i.e. bending down to pick up something off the floor? Should theoretically be quite normal. Um, right. I don't know if I'm used to. And no, diet no, as well. There's so many patients who, who, who must have stopped. Yeah, and uh, I just want to say, we're going to have to go for a little bit of a break. If anybody uh, would like to join this conversation, you can SMS on 34519. Fagi and I run a WhatsApp group where we drop a thought every single day just to keep you motivated and just to give you more food for thought in how you can live a more holistic life. If you would like to join, you can again email info at chaifm.com, leave us your name and your number, and we will gladly um, join you up and you can get a, you know, a small tidbit um, on, on topics such as we are discussing and much, much more every single day. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosilski and Fagy Stern. Welcome back, and we're having a fascinating discussion on how our body works. I know, Faggy, you were intrigued and wanted to ask something else. Yes, Shirley, actually it's very interesting the way that I came into this whole concept of looking into um, other reasons as to why people are feeling certain symptoms. Um, actually started off with TMJ and started off with gut symptoms, which basically my husband and my sister were both going through the same issues at the time, both the same age, um, living on different continents, but I literally got it from my sister in America and my husband next to me. And they were having these eye issues. And they both kept on saying that they needed to find the right prescription, they needed to find the right prescription, and no doctor was helping them, no optometrist was helping them, etc. And I would literally sit on YouTube and Google all night long trying to understand why they were feeling what they were feeling. And the one day after months of me trying to figure things out and making them absolutely crazy, um, I actually came up with the concept that they had TMJ, and that was what their main issues were, that the TMJ was pulling on their arm muscles, um, that was obviously giving them trouble, etc. And then from the TMJ, I landed up going into gut issues and figuring out that the gut issues, inflammation, eating the wrong foods, liver, livers connected to the eyes, etc. So I feel like in a way what you're doing is all of this, understanding yeah. that really one main issue that someone might be having, whether it's an eye issue um, or a low back issue, is really connected to something deeper. Um, we went for TMJ, you know, therapy, etc., and it just took me on this whole holistic approach. And I found out that a lot of people did have crazy TMJ issues um, and do all types of things. I'd like to understand from your perspective where this is all coming from, how the TMJ works, um, and what kind of effects it can have on people's bodies. Okay, look, it's a very broad perspective, but I'm going to summarize TMJ in three ways. The first um, way that affects or the way that the TMJ becomes, TMJ stands for temporomandibular joint, which is where the jaw joint attaches in front of your ear and into your temporal bone. It's your jaw eating joint. And it's a very complicated joint because it is, de- is dependent on two sides of the joint have to hang, or, or it's like a hanging joint, and both sides have to be balanced in order to work correctly. It has a little um, disc that sits on top of it and has to move when you open. So any mechanical dysfunctions or derangements can influence that disc. 
And behind the disc is a whole lot of soft tissue, which is indirectly goes into the base of the brain, which goes through that diaphragm of the brain called the tentorium cerebelli, where all your major nerves and things come out. Now, the TMJ can be affected in three ways. The most common is the developmental side. In other words, there's a large realization now that through adult, um, through kids having soft diets for too long, um, there's a developmental issue in that the palate doesn't develop normally. And when the palate is, is part of what we call the maxillary bone, the maxillary bone encompasses the top teeth, the cheekbones, the base of the eyes, um, that whole sort of midsection of the face, okay, that is an, what they call an epigenetic um, bone. And what they mean by epigenetics is genetics would be you've got blue eyes, I've got brown eyes. That gene expresses no matter what. Epigenetics says the gene sits there on the side and it plays itself out according to function. So if I'm a baby and I thumb suck, I basically will tip my palate. My palate will tend to grow more vertically and my teeth will protrude out because that's an epigenetic response to a light elastic force of the thumb. So that's just a quick summary of developmental or epigenetic things that can affect the way the TMJ grows. So if, for example, we're talking developmental, what happens in most of these cases without getting too complicated is that the the palate, instead of being in a normal position in, in in the relative to the skull it's either too far forward too far back too narrow too short and what happens is it appears to be what we call an orthodontic issue in other words often the teeth come for you slightly skew or when it's too high arched like that the lower jaw the mandible can't fit properly the tongue then instead of resting in the palate which is actually its resting position the tongue that drops down and the jaw joint actually rotates backwards. In other words, instead of it just hanging neutrally, it shoves right into the back of the, of, of next to the ear. And there are a lot of massive structures there that control the, the, basically the base of the brain and the, the nerve complexes em, emitting from that way. And when those nerves come down, they can produce things like gut issues, cardiac issues, because you hit the vagus nerve and all those other nerves that have to travel to the back of it. So I don't know if I've lost you there, but that's our developmental stuff. And also be, when the jaw tips back like that and the palate is arched high, it affects nasal breathing and the person starts mouth breathing. They get tonsillitis. They get adenoid okay. issues. They have asthma. They have developmental problems because they don't sleep. And so the whole thing just cascades into a whole gamut of problems. So is this now, something that you can treat like a little, a little child on or a little baby on? Absolutely. And, and, and this is where the, the marriage between physiotherapy and dentistry comes because what we do is we'll analyze, um, a person at the, at the age of two, three years old and you actually see where their development's going. And just by using specific functional appliances, and I'm not talking appliances that actually split the sutures of the brain because you can rapidly expand them. And if I take those out, whole thing will collapse it runs on the same principle that some of the senior orthopedic surgeons used to use or have used over time um to grow bone so you know there's there's um one of the when i was a a student there was a an orthopedic surgeon at the hospital who was treating a lady with a short leg from polio and what they did was they they broke the bone they put a pin in the one side, they put a pin in the other side and a screw, and you gently advance it like a millimeter a month or whatever it is. And what happens is the body responds to that force 
lays down bone in the gap, makes new vessels, makes new nerves in the gap. And after an extended period of time, you take those pins out and then bone remains. The similar principle is what you can do in the growth phase of a child in the face. So it's quite fascinating, but you have to have somebody who's understands that whole principle. So in combination, you can actually develop the orthopedic side to the point where the nasal passages are cleared. And in, in effect, the TMJ issue in that respect is actually secondary to the developmental issue, if that makes sense. The, Absolutely. The, 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 the symptoms that you get are related. Sorry, Shirley, if I can just stop you there for one minute, we're going to go for a quick break. Um, yeah. And when we get back, if we, if you could tell us about the symptoms and just a quick way of where people can go um, if mm. they are suffering, uh, you know, from TMJ. And I know there's a lot of it out there. I see lots of times questions on on Facebook of like, who can I go to? I'm not getting relief from my TMJ. But let's go for that break. We'll be back shortly. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosilski and Fagy Stern. Well, this has been a most fascinating discussion, and we want to like just quickly wrap up on the TMJ um, issue. Shirley, if somebody is suffering from TMJ, they're waking up in the morning, they feel like they're clenching, they, they've got like this chronic headache or anything else that is coming, where should they go? What should they do? Okay, they basically we need to de- they need to determine what the cause is. So the first thing is we need the three basic things that will cause TMJ. The one, as I mentioned now and touched on and got a little bit too deep on, is developmental. The second one is what I call mechanical. So you can either have what they call an ascending disorder or a descending disorder. An ascending disorder says I've got a a functionally short leg or I've got a small pelvis, and what happens, the body tips and tilts, etc. So instead of the jaw joint, eventually the head is to tilt and orientate so that the jaw functions incorrectly and starts damaging the disc. I don't know if that makes sense to you. It starts kicking off the disc because it's off the railway line. The other way is, of course, a traumatic thing. There are a lot of people who are involved in whiplash injuries, and because the jaw and the neck are interrelated, a whiplash injury in the neck will also affect a whiplash injury in the jaw, and there's a lot of information on that, um, on the thing, but basically a direct blow to the jaw or a whiplash injury can cause damage to the TMJ. An ascending thing can reproduce TMJ issues and developmental issues. So the first thing is to try and get an idea of where you are. Your first stop would be suddenly a a good dentist, and, and what a dentist will do Some have a greater understanding of TMJ than others, but what a dentist will do is he'll see where that jaw is being basically compressed into the skull, and they'll make a little splint for you between your teeth to try and separate that jaw joint away from compressing into the into the joint next to your ear. So it's almost like having a crutch or a little splint for the jaw joint. And in a lot of patients, just doing something like that, and then if people do clench at night or have a stress result or have inflammation – um, just using a correct splint can help a lot of people. If that doesn't work, then you need to look at other things like seeing a good chiropractor to realign your whole body or a physio to also help with, with um, the musculoskeletal side. Um, if you do have trigger points, people do dry needling. They do all sorts of um, physical things to try and reset the mechanical structure around the joint and put the joint in the neutral position. So the answer to that is, um, if it's traumatic, I would basically go to a dentist and a surgeon to see what damage has been done to the joint. Have you damaged the disc itself? What condition is it? Has it had an arthritic change? If it's a mechanical thing, then you go to a good chiro osteophysio to get that realigned. Developmental can be a little bit more of a, 
a tricky thing because there's development as kids and then there's development as adults. Adult development can happen, but it's never as good as kids because kids, you've got growth on your side. In adults, you can get a certain amount of growth, but it's never as good as what you would expect with a child who's compliant. That's the other thing. Compliance is a big thing. Nobody really wants to wear braces or gears or anything like that. So in summary, I'd go see the dentist, the surgeon, the physio, the chiro, and rebalance your system. And when in doubt, go visit Shirley. <laughs> well, I, I can I, I can say out there that you know a lot of my family has has suffered from TMJ and have had various um, uh, symptoms because of it. And if anybody is interested in just being pushed in the right direction to dentists and chiros, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, it certainly does work. And we've seen a tremendous turnaround um, in our family. You can email info at highfm.com and we can set you on the right path. Sadly, our time is up, and I mean, I could sit and listen to you all day, Shirley, because I, I really, it, it, it makes such a lot of sense for me. It rings so very, very true for me, and I have been a recipient um, of this type of therapy and benefit tremendously. I really would like to say thank you um, for coming onto the show and sharing of your expertise. I hope that it, um, you know, opened the eyes of our listeners. And maybe in the future we can bring you back again just, you know, to discuss other issues because, again, um, we are passionate, Fagi and I, to bring to the world the fact that we can treat ourselves more holistically and more healthy. So thank you, Shirley, for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Fagi, thanks for the thank ride. Thank you so much. Thank you, Adol. Thank you, Shirley. Wishing everybody nice, nice to meet you, Fagi. You too. Thank you. <laughs> Maybe one day we, we 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 can meet in person instead of looking at a at, at at a Skype screen. In the meantime, everybody out there, stay healthy, stay sane, and we'll be back next week, same time, same place, discussing your health and ours. Have a wonderful week.